Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for all of the feedback, the DMs to our Instagram account, the emails um, from my personal network, the text, um, your response to our shared space roundtable um, discussion that we shared last Saturday, uh, July 4th weekend, um, has been phenomenal and not phenomenal just because there's been a lot of praise and thanks in those um, messages, but because one, you shared and highlighted how much you've learned and also sent in additional questions um, and commentary around what you're reflecting on. I'm beyond measure grateful for that because I know our audience is uh, very, very diverse. Folks have reached out sharing their own reactions based on the different demographic characteristics that they, excuse me, that you um, uh, identify with. And so all of your, your reaction to last week's conversation with the shared space roundtable has been amazing. And you'll note that we're continuing the dialogue in today's episode. Um, our guests have just, again, pulled back the curtain a little bit more on how everyone's feeling, what their reactions are to everything that's going on. And sadly, it is still present. It's what's going on. But my hope of always trying to provide some semblance of light at minimum in the midst of all the darkness that we're experiencing, it, 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 that's always my goal. And through this platform, I've been able to do that. And I thank you um, for your attention, for your commitment to this journey. Um, and I thank our guest today um, for being so vulnerable again, for being so transparent again, and for going even deeper into um, the things that are top of mind and deep in heart. Um, for this community, the, the community of Black women represented by the voices in our Shared Space Roundtable. So all around, just wanted to take a moment to level set. Um, as a reminder, where we, we are, we're taking another interruption mode of operating here at the Living Fabulously Fierce podcast to have a candid conversation around the impact of the, the social climate of injustice that is continuing to um, just persist and its impact on the community of Black women that I know, and also give voice to questions that are lingering for those who don't identify as Black, um, for the purpose of learning and sharing the space together in this ongoing journey to social justice, to just living in a better world together. So um, with that level set, also again, just giving Thanksgiving, um, for your time, your attention, your commitment to this space and the conversations that we facilitate here at Living Fabulously Fears. And I'm not going to belabor this anymore. We're going to just jump right in to round two, um, part two of our shared space roundtable with Black women taking the mic. Don't hesitate to share any questions you might have with me via email at Farah Bernier, F-A-R-A-H-B-E-R-N-I-E-R -E -E at gmail.com. Or you can continue to send me messages via um, Instagram at the Living Fabulously Fierce handle. Um, and I will make sure that we continue this dialogue um, to, to keep the ball rolling on progress. Um, and no, I'll give it away now. We've already got a part three planned. So get your questions in, get your feedback, your commentary, however you choose. So yes, with no further ado, uh, jumping into shared space roundtable round two, uh, Black Women Take the Mic. Welcome back, listeners. I am so excited that we are in part two of our Shared Space Roundtable. Um, as a reminder, just given all that's going on in our world right now, especially as we're dealing with two pandemics at once, we're still in the midst of sheltering in place because of the quarantine, excuse me, because of coronavirus. 
And we're still in the midst of the fight against racism, to put it bluntly. And so I've pulled our previous group together um, that started the Shared Space Roundtable, uh, Voices of Black Women, plus one additional person. Um, so what I'd like us to do is go around and just introduce ourselves again for the audience. And then we're just going to jump in and pick up right where we left off. Um, so if I can start with Fabienne, Fabienne, can you tell us who you are and then pass the baton to whomever you want to introduce themselves next? And we'll do the same until we get round robin. Hi everyone, I'm Fabian Bienemé. I am an HR professional. I work for a professional service firm and I am happy to join the discussion and look forward to um, the topic that we'll be covering today with you. Um, Manishka, I'll turn it over to you. Thank you, Fabian. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Manushka Atim. I am a public relations and branding expert, and I look forward to this conversation today. Who are you going to pass it over to? Uh, passing it over to Shay. All right. Hi, everybody. This is Sharnay Daniels, affectionately uh, known as Shay. I am currently a third grade teacher here in sunny Florida, central Florida, right outside of Orlando. Um, I am a native of Cleveland, Ohio, where I served as a social service worker, working with youth in um, foster care and children that were in you know, distress. And also have a history in ministry with uh, youth pastoring and senior pastoring. And I'm gonna turn it over to Tandy. Hello everyone, I am Tandy Falala. I am 15 minutes outside of Boston in Randolph, Massachusetts. And I work in institutional investment and um, currently just looking forward to diving into this conversation with these wonderful ladies. And I'm passing it over to Judith. Hello everyone, I'm Judith Bernier. I am a director of facilities, um, construction and real estate at a local college in Boston, Simmons University. Um, born and raised in Boston, lived outside of Boston for a few years in Philadelphia. I am of Haitian descent, and um, I'm going to pass it back to Farrah. And that is so appropriate since she is the president, founder of the Farrah Bernier Fan Club. Yay! <laughs> Um, that's my sister, everyone. So that's the additional guest we have since our last roundtable. And as I mentioned, we're just going to pick up right where we left off from the last conversation we had. Um, and before picking up on the questions that were submitted, one of the things I, I want to ask is, is there anything from our last conversation that's still sticking out for anyone that you want to continue to pull the thread on or any feelings that still resonating for you, especially given we've, we've had about a week now since we last all, um, we all last connected on this topic. I had shared um, with my husband after our time together last week, just how it was both comforting and also troubling that we have so many of the same struggles, mm -hmm. if that makes sense, um, for us to be all over the country, yet we have the same stories to share, or we can definitely relate because we've had the same experiences. Um, it gives you comfort in knowing that you're not crazy, that you know it's not just you and it's not just happening to you. But it's troubling because it really does validate how deep an issue this is and how far reaching it is. And that, you know, it is not bound by states and it's not bound by age, um, nor is it, you know, bound by family history as far as, you know, Haitian descent or, you know, whatever the case may be, it's still, it's still there. Um, and, and in particular, I was thinking with um, Tandy as well, and being from South Africa, and yet still rings true. Yeah. Still rings true. And what we have in common is that we have the darker skin. It's so my, exactly. More to it than that is the history behind it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it just it 
really it rang true and it was like I said both comforting and and troubling at the same time it's interesting yeah. because when I connected with um, one of the folks uh, who had sent in questions, um, she asked me, how was it? I told her, I'm not going to give it all the way. I really want you to hear the episode. But what I said to her, it was sad in the most beautiful and validating way possible. And it's exactly what you're pointing to, Shay, is that it's sad because amongst the, the four of us from last week and true to the five of us here today, excuse me, six in total, um, there's no, uh, th there's none of us that aren't affected in the same way by all that is happening, but it also is beautiful to be able to come together, share in a safe space, and also get the validation that no, you're not crazy and no, you're not alone. We're, we're in this. Um, and Mishka, were you going to say something? Yeah, you know, I 100% agree. You know, I think that, you know, it feels isolating, right? Especially when you are in the workspace and you feel like you've done everything that you could, right? Because I think one of the things that when I would have some of these challenges, you know, I would say to myself, well, I'm the common denominator, right? Like, why am I having, like, you know, like these issues? And what was helpful but also sad you know to what she said is feeling like okay i'm not crazy right mm -hmm. that i've done everything that i've that i could and there's nothing else but i think the other thing that's really interesting i had a conversation maybe two or three weeks ago with one of my guy friends he and i used to work together he's a black guy and you know it was um there were very few very few black people in our workspace, but him and I worked on another project. And then essentially at that point, all the black people were, were working on one project, right? Mm -hmm. um, one client. And we would have issues with other colleagues in the office and he was fine, right? But so it was me and another black woman so we had issues and he, you know, they loved him, right? Like he was just like, white people love me and he was right. And so a couple of weeks ago we were talking about something and he said, you know, he said, I realized something. There's a woman who he like loves and follows on Twitter. And it was a black woman who, you know, had all these like fancy degrees and, you know, was like head of something important. And she talked about how, you know, when she went to do, like, was ahead of this really important thing, how in the workspace, you know, she had white people undermine her at every turn, right? And he said, I don't know why, but it, like, it was at that moment that I thought of you and I thought of our other colleague and everything else. And I said to him, did you not believe us? Mm. And he said, I didn't think about it, right? He said, because it wasn't happening to me, I just felt that what you were talking, like you guys might've mentioned it, but it was isolated and it wasn't, I don't think he felt that it was systemic. And he said that, I think that now thinking back, what happened to you guys and just a couple of other people, he said, I, I finally understand that it is a systemic issue and it wasn't just that isolated issue. And for him, it was, well, I'm black and it's not affecting me, you know, so it's not a problem, but you know, he's a black guy and not to say that black men don't also have issues in the workplace, but it, it's, it's different with black women. I, I would agree. And it's interesting because I was just talking to my brother about this and I, I think, look, it's not even lost on me that there could be a round table with black guys and it would be, there would be similarities, but there would be a lot of difference as well. But I think on a macro level, what you're pointing to Manishka is that, for all of us, and, and by the way, we're across different industries, right? And experiences, even through that vein, this level of understanding that this is about systemic issues is something that we still have to grapple with before we go into the spokes of the experiences, like what you're pointing out. And one of the things you shared last time, Anishka, that I, this is where I want us to pick up, because we do have a, a direct question on this. Um, is last week when we we end excuse me or the last episode where we ended with what is it that you want uh, folks to not do 
in order to help. And Manishka, you made the point, I really would appreciate it if folks who are trying to help would stop saying, I want to give voice to the voiceless. I want them to understand no one is voiceless. I have a voice, but spend your time focusing on how to amplify it. And I really appreciated that point. And as I, I promised you, we would pick up there because we actually do have a question. Um, again, for me, context is really critical. So please bear with me. I'm going to actually read the question in full and then we'll jump in and, and dissect this as it relates to voice in particular. Um, and again, the folks who submitted questions, you know, full anonymity, full confidentiality. So you're going to hear me being a little bit vague on some points, but that's why I think you'll still get the gist of the, the question. So the, the thing, the submission is as follows. I've been a coach formally for seven years. During this pivotal moment, I've realized that my coaching and anti-racism work are meant to come together. I'm very blessed to have grown up in, um, I will say, a state that is predominantly Black, and have strong Black teachers and leadership growing up. So anti-racism work has been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. What I hope my coaching will do is support leaders in the internal work between learning anti-racism and embodying it in your daily behavior. As we know, this is a lifelong journey of unwinding racist conditioning. My question, what advice do you have for white people who want to lead change in white spaces but who also want Black and Indigenous anti-racism teachers and leaders to be centered in their work. I struggle taking up space in anti-racism, anti period. And I have some face-to-face, -face, uh, excuse me, I have come face-to-face -face with the harm of not taking some of the burden off of Black and Brown leaders. This is so uncomfortable for me, and I'm not sure if this is what you intended, but I do have a question that I would love to get input this is the question I would love to get input on. Um, so I'll pause there. A few of you had your, your mutes off, but I'll, I'll throw it out to whomever wants to take it. Um, Judith, any thoughts? Yeah, first of all, you know, I'm, I'm listening to you read this and I think I, I'm still with all this, knowing the history, I'm, I'm kind of still in an angry place. And I have to just be truthful about it. Mm -hmm. You know, for me personally, raised with a good mother that was, you know, taught me the superpower of being black and put me in on a platform where I was able to move up the ladder, um, but always fighting, always fighting, always trying to prove ourselves. I mean, even today, which is a holiday for us, I'm like, I have to log on. Let me get some work done. It's just like, I can't let these emails sit there for a day on a holiday because someone's going to be looking for me. So one of the things I thought about is just like, and I just truthful and I'm still in a hurt place. It's just like, I just want to tell, we're just looking for equality and just be happy. We're not looking for revenge. Mm. And, and that's, and, and I always want to come to a peaceful place, but I have to be honest, it's just, it's very hurtful. Um, I hurt a lot and having, I have a young daughter, which is 12. And I'm so surprised that I'm struggling with a lot of the conversation with her. Like before it's just like, I, I have this conversation. I'm just, you know, and just doing my best as, as a parent, but I honestly would give myself a B minus as far as the conversation I'm having with her. And that's hurtful because I feel like I'm telling you a bunch of lies. Yeah. 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 And what I will say, so there's a, there's a lot to unpack there. So I'm going to, I'm going to list them through and then we'll come back. So I want to unpack the fact that you pointed to the fact that we are on holiday listeners. We're recording this on July 3rd. So everybody's got the day. Most of us are fortunate enough to have the day off. And yet still what's happening for you is you're like, oh, I know we have the day off, but I have emails. I don't get to have a pass like everybody else. I'm always in prove mode. So I do need to actually log on and make sure I haven't missed any emails because the expectation is that, yeah, we have the day off, but is it really a day off? Because rules are different for me. So that's number one. Number two, 
wow, your point of we're just asking for equality and be lucky that we're not asking for revenge. That is so poignant because even as we talk about um, what we're what we're fighting for, right? It's called civil rights. We're not equity didn't even come into the picture yet. Like when we started seeking civil rights, we're just we're just asking for you to be civil to us, right? I mean, what's flashing for me is the video that I just saw yesterday of the woman holding the gun in the face of the mother and the teenage daughter in the parking lot of a Chipotle because the daughter bumped into her by mistake. We just want you to be civil. That's not even about equity or equality. Just be civil. And to your point, thank God we're not looking for revenge, right? And then the the last point um, is, and we talked about this a little bit in the last um, roundtable, my God, and I'll, I'll point to Judith, Fabian, and Shay as parents in this season. I, yeah, I mean, I don't even think grading yourselves is a fair attempt. I think for you, let's be um, let let's practice some inequality. I think it's a it's a you know pass fail, and none of you are failing. But for our counterparts, yeah, I think we we should be able to grade. And I and I will tell you, I have leaders who white leaders who have actually shared with me transparently, very vulnerably, very um, in a very trusting manner, how they feel like they are failing their kids. And some of them who have decided, no, we're just not going to talk about these things because of the privilege of choice. So. Um, sorry to belabor this, but I think Judith, your question, your response pulls through a, a couple different prongs. Um, and to pull it back to the, the the question at hand, it's maybe first, while you're centering, and I think the question points to deep value of the voices. So I want to honor that and express gratitude for that because that's not everybody, right? So I appreciate the vein in which the question is coming from, but I also think understand that the voices right now, the voices are hurt. The voices are really angry. And, and I would say maybe especially, but I'll defer to my parental guest here, especially if you're parents um, in the midst of, of all that's going on. I was going to say, thank you. as a parent, you just have to keep the conversation and keep going, address it as it is. And there's no need to be resentful and always remind your kids your duty and what you go out to do every day. Your action has consequences and you need to make sure that you show up every day. It doesn't matter who's going to think X, who's going to think Y. You need to show up and be authentic and be yourself. That's what I teach my kids. Yeah. And remind us, Fab, how old are they? We have a 16 16- Birthday coming um, 16, up. Sixteen, close to six-year-olds. Yeah, yeah. You gotta show up, and you just have to be true to who you are, and know where you're coming from. And you can only control what you can do. You cannot control how others react, and you cannot what you will do. But yeah. what you can do, and what you, how you present yourself, that's in your control, and that's all you can do. All right. I actually wanted to add, I'm not a parent, but I'm, I'm, I'm an aunt and I have village children, if you will. Uh, but one thing I would say is that for those people who have made the choice not to speak on it with their kids, you got to know someone else is talking to your kid. Mm-hmm. And it may not be the messaging that you want, because, you know, in this in this Internet age, they have YouTube and and I've heard and I've seen actually a documentary a while ago of a parent being surprised that their child became a white supremacist because of, you know, they were not aware of the things they were watching in the bedroom and how they became really sold on the idea and the chat rooms they got involved in. So if you're not involved in that conversation, they're having that conversation somewhere else because this is all over the news 
even in the social and inter entertainment sphere, this is a topic that's happening. So it disturbs me that someone would choose not to because what it's doing is actually negligence and disservice. They'll see how it plays out in a couple of years, but it's not going to be positive. It's kind of like the sex talk. Do you want your kids finding out from their friends or the influence of everybody else? Or do you want them to hear about it from you? And I think the other part of that too is, you know, there is so much, you know, what you said, it is like the sex talk, right? Like if you don't have that talk with your kids, somebody else will. But I think the other, there are some parents who, they think that they're fine by just saying to their kids, oh, I'm sorry, by saying to their kids, I don't see color, like we don't see color, mm -hmm. right? And to them, that's teaching their kids not to be racist, right? But that's, we all know, right? Right after civil rights, that's the, that's the turn that most people took, right? I don't see color. No, you do see color. We are talking about it last week, right? Like the color is there. However, it is teaching your kids that regardless of color, of race and creed and everything else, you treat people with respect. There's nothing wrong with acknowledging that this person is black, white, you know, Hispanic, gay, whatever it is. Because if you're not like having that conversation with your kids and passing on those important messages and values, as Tandy said, somebody else is going to be teaching it to them and you will be shocked. And I do remember a story of, um, this is maybe a couple of years ago, and there, it was a family where they had a son who became a white supremacist and the parents are like, I don't know what happened. Like, well, somebody else, like he got the message somewhere mm -hmm. else, right? And that is some of the challenges with being online, right? You sometimes go down the rabbit hole. So if you're someone who's who might be feeling depressed and down or whatever it is, a lot of times they grab you because you're looking for belonging, yeah. right? And find what, you know, this quote unquote brotherhood or whatever it might be. And then there you go. And we hear the story repeating over and over. Um, Kevin Roos from the New York Times, you know, did a, um, a series on it. So if you don't want your kids getting that message from somebody else, then it's up to you to teach them to be anti-racist. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's it's hard, right? Because there's so many levels of this experience. Like even the the question is about in the workplace, basically. I know it's coming from a coach, but in the real in reality, it's like, do you understand the depth you have to go to before you can get through to amplifying our voices, the the most productive way possible, right? And even just, you know, like if I pick Fab, for example, right? Like there's so many layers of things. Fab and I talked about this um, a couple weeks ago. Just when, when we get up every day for work, how many things do we have to think about? How many things do we have to do? How many things do we have to prepare for before we even just get to work, even virtually, right? Like even before we hop onto the Google Hangout calls, even before we hop onto the Zoom, like all the, like we don't even get the privilege. We don't get the privilege of just showing up. There's so much, yeah, right. Like we, there's so much, um, I want to give my friend, Jen, like she, Julie, um, she pointed out, she's like, there's so much calculus that has to happen before I can show up because I can't just be me. And so then to think about amplifying my voice, well, you have to understand what is behind the layers of me before you can productively amplify my voice. So I think the short answer is continue to seek to learn, right? But um, I would say actually a little, uh, sorry, a little further than that. It, it will take time to learn. But in the interim, when they're in spaces where no one of color is there and there are things being said or decisions being made 
that are hurtful to a person of color. The best way to amplify our, our voice, our, you know, for, for people and, and really do the work is to be that person who does the right thing there and then. Give us and, an example, Tandy, because you're spot I, I, on. I, I, yeah, I, um, actually, I would say in, in, in a place where decisions of promotions yes. and, and, and valuations of people, if you hear a leader, you know, using a term that, well, yeah, they deliver on the deliverables, but they don't have executive presence right. or management sense. You got to know that that actually, you know, translates. We've spoken about this yeah. before, that it, it, it translates to, I don't see a person who looks like that in that position. And I don't like how that makes me feel. So you have to first be educated with, first of all, that, those words. What is it? What are those biases? What are they? What are they saying? Mm -hmm. in, in that vein and and being able to then kind of poke back and say executive presence let's break that down what does it look like because that's subjective and and then really be brave enough and say well would you feel that way if yes. they were white yes yes and yeah and and Oh, sorry, but I, it's in those moments and socially, socially, also socially is actually even more important. I, I would say, I, I mean, work does matter, but socially, when you're willing socially in front of your grandmama, mama, and friends to do the right thing, say the right thing and, and really set the tone, that in, in, in itself is amplifying and being part of the cause. Yeah, especially because one of the things that, um, sorry, Judith, one second. One of the things that I've, I've noticed is there's no shortage of call out in, in the executive circles when somebody says a woman needs executive presence and somebody will say, well, would we say that if she was a man? No, but we don't pause on that anymore. On the gender front, we I have seen less and less and less pause on calling out gendered feedback, which is great. But for other demographics, I haven't seen that. Sorry, Judith, were you going to jump in? No, I, so in the interest of time, I'm going to echo a lot of what Tandy said. But I was having an earlier conversation about how we show up in the preparation, even on Zoom. And I, I giggled a little bit because we have to prepare ourselves. Like, I'm always the only black person yes. on Zoom. And I'm like, let me make sure I have my lighting right so I don't look like this black dog. Blob, right. <laughs> and, you know, if you're doing something, it's like, you know, someone directs your questions. It's like, dude, if you, I, I want to see your camera on so I can see your facial reaction. I'm like... I'm in the office, my desk faces a wall. So we're always preparing ourselves before we show up. Yeah. We can't just walk in the room and say, here we are. It, right. And especially, like, let's take it the other level. And, and I'm always sensitive to this, even as a parent, right? Like, you're doing your prep to show up. And then you got to prep your kids because stuff happens, right? Like, I'll never forget my nephew is in the first grade. The first grade six years old, a classmate used the N-word with him. She didn't know what that word meant. She had no idea what that meant, that word meant, but she'd heard it before and having to prep myself for the day and prep him, right? And I think that's the bigger challenge, especially when you're responsible for the upbringing of others is that you, you, it goes back to your point, Judith, like on some level, you feel like you're lying to your kid. Um, if you don't share transparently the full picture of what is happening so that they can not be caught off guard by things that will just happen because of the world that we live in, not because anything is wrong with them, right. Or anything, should be taken as a result of their action. They were just playing tag on on the um, in the schoolyard, and he tagged someone because oh, that's the game. But when he tagged this little girl, she spewed back the n word because what she didn't want him tagging her. Or quite frankly, she lost, and that was her reaction. And again, 
It's about having to prep self to show up. And then when we're responsible for others, it's that added layer of having to prep someone else who's dependent on you to lead them and guide them in every way. And this is that extra tax of it, you know, and, and Manishka, I think you, you wanted to jump in. That's very true. Um, one other thing I'll say too about amplifying voices, um, I think the other big part of it is, and I think we touched on this last week, but sometimes you have to just be ready to be uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? And to, you know, as Candy was saying, to be able to call certain things out. And when you notice that, and when you notice that, oh, wait, there's no one here of, there's not a person of color in this space, to be able to like call that out and say that is a problem. But I think the other part of it too is if you want to be a really good ally, if you see that there is a person of color who might be great in every way, but might be struggling in some way, then be a good colleague, be a good ally and say, Hey, you know, I noticed that X, Y, and Z, how can I help? Or like, help them move up the ladder right and we always talk about like holding the door for the next person be that person that holds the door so more people have opportunities right and so i think it's being able to be uncomfortable and then also finding a way to bring different faces yes Yes. into that boardroom um i mean that just will help make you a good ally and of course continuing to learn about what some of those challenges are so I promise you, um, I, I really did go get these questions. I, I'm, I am literally reading you the questions that came in. And so the next question is, on again, I didn't make this up. Are most or many Black women angry at white women because our lives are easier in this country? Yeah, I'm going to take that. No. I'm going to take that and say flat out no. What we are reactive to is this whole Karen attitude. So now we have enough videos and enough testimonies. Hold hold on. Let's yes. back up. Can we talk? Because not everybody, not, I know we should, but not everybody knows Karen. So. Okay. Karen is, um, see, uh, let me, uh, talking about backing up, my first exposure to that Karen um, character was the story of Emmett Till. Oh, and that was when it was explained to me how dangerous a Karen is and how society is shaped a Karen because the woman who made the claim about Emmett Till, Emmett Till ended up dead actually years later admitted to lying and she's still alive and she's not in jail so she doesn't pay the price for what happened to Emmett Till so 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 bear with me because I want to unpack because remember we have a very diverse audience which I'm grateful for and I I don't want any of your points or insights to be lost so for our audience members Karen is a term used. It, it is a term used to describe white women who use their privilege and power disrespectfully and solely, I'll say primarily now, primarily for Black people. Example, a real life example is Amy Cooper. Amy Cooper, white woman, Central Park, saw a Black man. This Black man asked her to put her dog on a leash because that is the rule. Those are the rules. And she positioned herself as a victim, called the authorities, the the, uh, police on this black man to use her power to tell a tale or to present a situation as much more, if not distinctly different from what it was in order to cause harm. The intention is to cause harm, if not death, to the person of color, primarily Black people, um, who are at the affect of their Karenism, i.e. operating as a white victim because they're interacting with a person of color, again, primarily a Black person. Amy Cooper is the epitome of a Karen. 
for all the women named Karen out there, we know that you are not necessarily quote unquote a Karen, but that somebody made up that word and that is the term that is used to describe women, white women um, who operate this way. And Emmett Till was, I mean, was he even 13? Yeah, no, he was 14, I believe. He was 14 years old when he, a white woman said he had whistled at her and um, four adult men beat him and drowned him, right? Yeah, to, right. to death. They shot him in the head. They shot him. Um, I mean, he was completely- wire around him, around a cotton gin fan, and threw him in the Hatchatuchee River. Yeah. He was unrecognizable. Then, unrecognizable. Yeah, after the trial, they then admitted that they did it. They did. They did. And they were, yeah. So, sorry, had to set all of that context so that we understand truly, because Tandy be dropping knowledge, but not all of us are aware of the insights and I don't want it lost. So with that context, please continue. Yeah, yeah no, it's not that I, we see them as that their lives are easier by, by any means. We know our gifts and we, we just what we don't want is that attitude of a Karen towards us because that in itself, that kind of shows up in different levels, whether it's, it's socially or especially in the job, you know, um, it's, it's the challenges within a room when you're sharing ideas or, um, I I mean, it's happened to me a, a number of times where, I'm talked over talking about an idea and it's as if, well, yeah. no, no, that, that will happen. And, and I'm drowned out, you know, immediately. So there's, there's no, I, I love my blackness, my black life, my traditions that go, you know, that I know and, and, and embrace. So there's really, I've never, there's no white woman I've looked at and say, I wish I had a life or her life looks easier by any means. But for, for us black women, I think we're just saying, please, for number one, for our children, for our, for our families, lay off. Especially but, when it comes to policing, our, uh, policing bodies, policing mm-hmm. places to be, and stuff because their damsel in distress carries more weight in society and can be deadly mm-hmm. for, for us. And and that's the part that we have an issue with. So, but it's want, not everybody. It's just for those that are problematic. Yeah, but I, I want to, well, two points. I want to pick up on something Shay said last week when we asked the question, what can what can white people do? And Shay, you made a, a, a poignant um, point in that learn about black history. Because look at what just happened. Tandy is talking and she's having conversation with us because we understand all of the context of the conversation she's laying out. But because we know not everybody knows black history, I have to pause, take the time. I have to interrupt her. I have to stop her flow, right? Make sure that we bring everybody up to speed so that then we can continue. Now, such is life right now. But if folks are doing the work, this will have to happen less and less. And someone's voice, who some are looking to amplify, doesn't have to be interrupted. We don't have to take the energy to keep educating. Hence the benefits of, again, what Shay's point was last time. Like, be proactive in learning Black history as well. And then I actually do want to challenge you, Tandy. Yes, we're not angry that your life is easier, but I, I would say their lives are easier, generally speaking. Okay. Is it though? Because I think so. I think it's easier. I do. I, it's it's, it's nuanced. Go ahead. I, I do think it's easier, but would I say I'm angry at them because it is? No. Right. What I do have issue with and what does give me pause is the fact that oftentimes there, there, there are times when I feel that they look down upon yes. black women yes. and, and look at us in a way of, 
Or don't even see us as human. Don't even see us as human. Right. I, I really yes. actually feel that. Yes. Yes. Those same or many of them will do all that they can to take on the very characteristics and attributes yeah. of us. Can you give I us an example, it. please, Shay? Yes. I eat tanning, uh, lip injections, butt injections, uh, braiding your hair. Um, can I go on? And then the very things that you will say in corporate are not appropriate are then the very things that you want to put upon yourself. And then when it is done, then, oh, isn't that beautiful? That I have a problem Plus one. Completely agree. Completely agree. I would agree. also ask, like, think about that question, right? By asking that question, are black women angry because our lives are easier? In that question, you're asking, you're saying our lives are not equal, right? You're acknowledging there is no equality. And is that why you're upset? Well, that should make you upset because then I think if I reframe that question and say, are women angry because men have easier lives, white men have easier lives, they would be angry, yeah. right? Because those same women are doing the women's march. They're like, they really need more women in the boardroom. So you've already acknowledged that you understand that systemically we are not equal. You've acknowledged that you have it easier and you've acknowledged that you have it easier because of your whiteness right? We're not angry, right? We want equality. You right. should be angry. Like, because if you flip the script and you ask yourself, well, it's not fair. I want my daughter to have the same opportunities as my son. Right. Well, guess what? Black people, black women want the same opportunities as you. And we want our children to have the same opportunities. So in asking that question, you're also acknowledging the system is not fair. And what are you going to do about it? So when you're asking about platforms, when you're asking, you know, like, how can I be an ally? Well, you've answered the question and you don't even realize that you have just acknowledged there is inequality in asking that. And and one of the things I want to point to, and I'm, 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 curious as to how we didn't come here with this question. Again, the question is phrased, are most or many black women angry at white women because our lives are easier in this country? Last record or last round table, I started off asking each of you, how are you feeling? And no one didn't land with being exhausted which is a very human feeling. It is one that pulls empathy. It is one that acknowledges, oh, help me carry you then if I can. But this question puts on a positioning of needing us to be on defense because it asks, are we angry? And so each of you have already pointed to, no, we're not angry. We're actually really not. But the default assumed reaction from us, and please push back on me if I'm, you know, assuming here. But the default assumed reaction on our part is that we're going to be angry. We're human. We're tired. We're hurt. The parents are worried. You know, like, these are the emotions that we're feeling. But angry? No. And truthfully, yeah, thank you for acknowledging it, but please acknowledge it. And, and from there, decide what to do that is productive. And so with that, oh, Tandy, go ahead. I was going to say, it's funny. What is it talking? I'm thinking about the time that Hillary was the um, going up for the, pre, uh, the presidency. And um, I was watching all these, these panels on TV of, white women who were talking about their reaction to the question of is Hillary or a woman looking presidential and what right. does looking presidential look? And their reaction was what 
is the same reaction that we have of saying, <laughs> why is that even a question? Right, right. We're talking about, <laughs> you know, can she do the job? Does she have the, 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 the skills to do the job? Can we talk about skills and looking presidential? Now, when we look back, I mean, they picked the one that looked presidential, but is he acting presidential? That's a whole other topic. So if, if, if they could analyze that question in that regard and say, okay, that's actually a, a stupid question. I, I failed to find another word. Meaning, I'm not demeaning the person who asked it, but I, I really am going to um, challenge them to now face the mirror and ask themselves about the root of that question. What, where, what was their bias that made them ask that question? And where does that bias come from? So that's the work. Yeah, yes, right? It's the holding up of the mirror. And again, the question came in email, right? So I, we don't have the emotional context. Angry might've just been a default term. It could have no bearing on the person's perception of us, but it is the word that was chosen. Right. And words matter. And so what is what why are we using that word to describe sentiment that we then want feedback on, which then I'm going to roll into the following question and I'm just going to read it. What do you suggest white women do with the guilt and the sadness we feel about the plight of black people? What can we do to make things better? You want me to make you feel better. Okay. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I was on mute. Mishka. <laughs> are you taking are you taking the question? Um I just fell out. Ask the question one more time. Ask the question one more time, Farah. What do you suggest white women do with the guilt and sadness we feel about the plight of black people? What can we do to make things better? Okay, so be better, okay? But I think it's all the things that we've just talked about, right? Like educating yourself, right? Like being and being very honest that black people, black women were treated differently in the workplace. Right. And when you see people doing it or saying something that makes you uncomfortable, like being able to sit, like stand up and say something right to what Tandy was saying. I had worked on a project with my colleagues. And so I was on a call. It was like with my colleagues and with somebody else who was more senior than me. And so he is saying to two of our other colleagues, like, wow, you guys did a really great job on this. One of my colleagues said, actually, Manushka has been working on this since the beginning. He refused to even acknowledge it, right? That could have been an opportunity for her to say, no, I yes. want you to understand. Yes. Instead of just being like, well, my job is done, but holding that person to it. So when you see something that is happening that you know is wrong, it's going to feel uncomfortable, right? Because nobody wants to... Oftentimes, we don't want to be that person that's just like, I'm going to call you out on your bias, but being able to call that person out on their bias. And you know what? If you don't feel comfortable doing it right then and there, then being able to circle back with that person and say, I think you were wrong and we need to have a conversation about it. Right. So it's not just. I feel bad and you know, you feeling bad does not help us and does not make systemic racism any better, but you have to actively work to dismantle it because as black people, we didn't set up the system, right? right? We're fighting to break those barriers, but guess what? The powers that be, they aren't listening to us, but they'll listen to you, right? right? You can make a difference. So speak up and say something. So if you notice someone says, you know, oh, well, they don't have that executive look, challenge that, right? Like, what do you mean by that, right? Because that's what gets more people in the door, right? And so do more and not just feel bad. Like, I don't want you to just put a black square on Instagram. Do not put a safety pin on your sweater. Like that does nothing for me. That does not stop like my family member from like my brother or my dad from getting shot in the street. Right. But challenging, 
you know, like systemic racism, challenging, you know, like why is there this shield, you know, for police in that we can never change the system, like challenge that because they'll listen to you because what we have seen at those protests, we saw white kids putting their bodies in front front of police officers because guess what? They get it. They understood that if I put my body in front of this black person, I'm not going to get shot. And they didn't, right? And so you have to like be uncomfortable. I'm not asking you to step in front of a bullet, but you are in that boardroom and you can step up and you can make a difference. So if you want to do better, like that's the, those are some of the things that you need to do. And I think you point to a really critical point that I always make guilt, no matter what it is about. Now, I'm not just talking about things related to to race. Guilt is not a productive emotion. It it is not productive. It is not releasing. It is it is not it, 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 it does nothing. It literally does nothing but cause more decay. So to sit in guilt does nothing for no one. And we actually don't want you to be guilty. We don't, to feel guilty. We actually don't want you to feel sad. We don't want you to feel pity. We don't want you, folks have said, I'm so sorry. I don't even know what else to say, but I'm just sorry. I don't want you to be sorry. I re- right, I don't want you to be sorry. I, I need you, and I'm being, into, I need, I literally need you to be better. I mean, this week, I'm in California, families in Boston. I literally, Fab and and Tandy, I talked to about this. It's like, okay, 45 hours, I can do it. I can get in my car and drive. I can do it. And the more I thought about it, Black woman driving across country by herself, like, right, Audio medium, our guests cannot see the entire, my entire screen of guests, all the heads shaking no. And and so that's the thing. I don't need people feeling sorry about that. I don't need people feeling guilty about it. I don't need people feeling sad. I need people understanding that even me trying to get to my family because of a pandemic requires me to first think about being black before thinking about being a woman before thinking about being by myself that guilt doesn't help me deal with any of that my brother's been doing that commute from chicago to boston to check in on my mom every couple weeks every time he's crossing a state quickly takes a picture so we know where he is so we know that he's alive. So we know he hasn't been pulled over until the 12 and a half hours is done. And we know that he's home because he's a black man driving by himself. Guilt from another party helps no one. Sorry, Fab, I think you were going to say something. Yeah, what I was going to say is the guilt, anger, all of these are negative emotions and they do not bring anything negative. I think feeling empowered, feeling that there is, there are things that are in my power to do, that I am able to be a voice, I am able to be an ally, I am able to speak up for someone, I am able to stand up for someone. I think those are the things that we need more of these things happening on a day-to-day life, whether it is at a store, whether it is in your workplace, whether it is with your family at the dinner table. Those are the things that we need because I think everybody, it's not, not going to happen overnight. We're talking about centuries of things yes. happening in the world or in our country. It's not going to happen overnight. But little by little, having those small conversations, doing those small actions, standing up and speaking up, those are the things that are going to make changes for later. Exactly. It's not a race, it is a journey. We all have to just show up, be brave, be courageous. Let ourselves be uncomfortable. Yeah, it is uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That is all. Yeah, and I think the other part of that too is when you think about, you're wondering, like, you feel guilty. Your guilt would not have kept George Floyd alive, right? And so I need, I, I 
when we when we are asking for equality, we're not asking, we're not trying to make you feel guilty, right? And right. If you do what you feel, then you have to ask yourself, well, why do I feel guilty, right? right? Because if you have children, if you have a daughter, and your daughter says, well, I want you know, I want to be treated just like my, I want you to treat me just like my brother, you would not feel guilty about that. Like you would work to make that happen, and you'd go above and beyond to make sure that they felt that they were equal. That's what we're asking for, right? We're not trying to make you feel bad. If you feel bad, then it's you're acknowledging like, yes, I, I see what's happening and yet you're not doing anything about it. So mm-hmm. don't feel bad, work towards dismantling the system. Yeah. So here's, here's maybe the, the most simplified thing. If anyone out there is feeling, uh, white women's feeling like they're confused on them, then what? You know, right. one thing I would tell you from even um, just uh, my white co- counterparts, one thing they're very good about, uh, especially women, is when it's time to talk to the manager, whether it's in a restaurant or something, you're absolutely, I want to talk to the manager. Well, guess who the manager are, is in this situation? It's the politicians. Yeah. They will listen to you. Yeah. If actually, if you guys mobilize and you scream out loud, I want to talk to the manager and this is what we want. Do you know that I feel like it would move the needle much faster than a whole lot of because society is really shaped to serve you. So if you grab a whole bunch of, of white women around your neighborhood, around your social sphere, and you go to the town hall, city hall, and say, I want to speak to the manager because we don't like the police doing this. We don't like the you know school systems being... Uh, treating them fairly or and evenly not given uh, the same type of resources. We don't like this. And if you get in those rooms, I bet you everything I got, you will move it. And they will listen. This is election year. And you have actually way more power right yes. now yes. than any other time. So I really would like to inspire you to call upon other white women, get them in your living room, serve them whatever food you got and mobilize and then walk into those spaces and demand to talk to the manager and demand those things in writing because your voice is actually much louder than thousands of us. Yes. 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 Um, one of the, the things that I, it's, it's so hard because even asking us what to do which I understand and actually appreciate, it it's run its course, right? The the um, timing, the the time allowance for that question has come to an end. And here's what I mean by that: the question has to to be asked, right? Because we all need to work together to solve. All these things that we're all dealing with together. And I, I appreciate Fab's point that this is not a race. If it were a race, someone's got to win. Then there's someone who's going to lose. This is not a race. It's a journey that we're in together. So I appreciate that we've got to start somewhere. And folks are asking, what can I do? What should I do with my feelings? That You've gotten answers, right? Like at this point, you've got answers. The allowance for that question, the time has run out. Now it is time to act. It is time to decide what are you going to do? So I would now submit that through this forum, through many others, hopefully, if folks are fortunate enough, or at least through one other, you've gotten answers to that question. To go from here and to continue to ask that question is an abuse of the position that you are in because now to ask that question is to position us back into solving for you again. And so I'm I'm daringly putting a timestamp on that question. That question is to be asked no more um, because even if you've never gotten an answer, you have sources to go back and get an answer. And now it is you telling us, what are you going to do? And how do we help you 
do that. You want to call the manager? You want to go to your politicians? You want us to come with you? Let's talk about how we can do that. You want to amplify Black voices? Okay, that's your action. Tell us, and we can do that together. And so with that, we're going to close today because that's that's actually an accountability point for those who are listening. Again, the the timestamp on that question has run out. The time for action and to commit to an action is here now and forever. And with that, we're going to close out. And I want to thank my guest again, Fab, Shay, Manushka, Tandy, Judith. This has been so soul fueling and, and I'm grateful beyond measure for that. So thank you, each of you. And I'm also grateful for our audience again. Some folks have actually already responded with additional questions, um, commentary from just the idea of this episode continuing. And, and I appreciate that because that means, again, to Fab's point, nobody's looking at this as a race. This is about a journey that we're only going to get through together. So it's not lost on me um, from the vantage point of our listeners as well. And so with that, um, you're in, in luck because our guests have already committed to a third round table and we will pick up. We have just a couple more questions left, but we're also going to pick up with more experiential um insights from our guests and and what I'm hoping will also be testimonies that we can share so that we land on a motivating, inspiring note as we continue to move on in this pandemic and sensemic that we're experiencing together. So again, ladies, thank you very, very, very much. You're welcome. Thanks for having us, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you.